Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with casting director John Levy. Now, John Levy, for 35 years, has been casting iconic shows such as The West Wing and ER. And if you missed part one, after you listen to this, go back and check that out. I think you will. Because this is a fascinating interview and a very interesting and candid guest. If you are an actor and you want to know what it is really like out there, how you get jobs and what the world is like in television casting today, 2022, this is the guy to check out. He also has a book that is available on Amazon. It's called Right for the role, breakdowns, breakups, and breakthroughs from 35 years of casting iconic TV shows. His name is John Levy. It's spelled L-E-V-E-Y. So, coming up right now, part two with John Levy, right here on Hollywood and Levine. What are you looking for when an actor comes to read for you? Um, I, I guess I touched on it a little bit. Uh, I'm looking for training. I'm looking for, uh, you know, I, I think we want our characters on television to be a little more fabulous than than we are in in our real lives. <laughs> That's so easy in my to, case. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, they, they, you know, so so they have to have something uh, uh, arresting about the way they look. It doesn't have to be conventional beauty or handsomeness, but they have to be somebody you're happy to be watching. Uh, charisma. They have to be brave. They have to be willing they also have to know themselves because an actor is unlike a piano player uh, they are the instrument and the player at the same time and so they have to have a, a acute understanding of who they are and what they what what they seem like and since they draw on their own experiences and their own imaginations they have to be the kind of people who go out into the world and have a lot of experiences, diverse experiences, and, and have been willing to jump out of their comfort zone and uh, be uh, be brave. Uh, so I'm looking for that kind of immediacy, that kind of electric humanity, that kind of uh, special charisma that, uh, you know, that I guess we first learned about uh as audiences ourselves watching the movies and television shows of our childhood, but also maybe we first heard the word charisma associated with John F. Kennedy uh, and his election to the presidency in the, in 1960. Can that X factor, that charisma be taught or is it just something that you're lucky to be born with 
And if you just don't have it, you just don't have it. Well, I think it can be enhanced and I think it can be released, but I don't think it can be taught. Uh, If you don't got it, then you end up being a casting director or a writer or something else. (laughs) And you end up becoming us. (laughs) Yeah, precisely. What are some of the mistakes that actors make in auditions? Well, they're rude. They're unprepared. They're self-aggrandizing without any reason. Uh, They make excuses. Uh, They overstep their relationship with you. Uh, They just, you know, it's it's like I've said many times, if uh, you come to my home for a, a, a small cocktail party and it's the first time you've been there and you comment on how dreadful my taste in art is, uh, that's that's really not appropriate. But if you've been at my house 50 times and you're uh, you're you know, you're an art dealer and, and you think, hey, John, that painting would look a lot better in your bedroom than in your living room. Uh, then then that's appreciated. Uh, and I so, you know, knowing what the, the boundaries of your relationship are uh, and, and really simple manners and and professionalism preparation what about uh dressing the part (laughs) what are your feelings about when actors come in dressed as a pirate or whatever well i think that's sort of unnecessary um i mean you know i don't think you should come straight from the golf course if you're reading for a lawyer doing his summation speech might be a good idea to have a jacket and tie on but um you know, I, I don't think it's necessary. We have a wonderful costumer on the shows that I've worked on. Lynn Paolo is her name. And she'll put you in the right clothes when you get the job. So, you know, we, you don't want to dress completely wrong if if the part calls for some element of sexuality. You you don't want to wear a Peter Pan collar and a ankle-length skirt like an Amish lady, but, <laughs> right. uh, but you also don't want to, you know, e- even if the part calls for some kind of uh, nudity and simulated sex, you, you don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Get the job and do that with the intimacy coordinator in a closed set. Yeah. You know, that's, that brings up a good point too, because people talk about the casting couch, but when you get to, the level of network television it's it's all professional uh as a producer when i'm in a casting session i'm never in a casting session by myself there's always the casting director the person who's reading with the actor uh oftentimes there's there's a studio person and you know there is a a, a level of professionalism that um, that if if you're an actor and you find yourself in a situation that is not that, run. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, clearly over the last decade, we've uh, it's been revealed that there are disgusting, amoral. Can I say shitheads? Sure, you can. In our business, who have preyed upon vulnerable and inexperienced and maybe, 
you know, ambitious and stupid actors. I would never go to a hotel room to meet anybody I didn't know. Exactly. You know, I would never have a, a meeting on Sunday night at 1030 uh, in a, that starts in a hotel restaurant. Uh, you know, <laughs> and and as you say, you know, uh, uh, those of us, I, I don't think casting couches have ever really involved casting directors. I think occasionally executives, I'm th- not, I don't think, I know now that uh, executives and uh, producers and directors have, in fact, taken advantage of vulnerable people for their power needs and their sexual needs. Uh, and it, it appalls me and it, uh, I, it's, it's despicable. I want to talk about your book now. Uh, you Thank wrote you. a book, which is basically a memoir called Write for the Role, which is due to be released on September 15th. Uh, talk about the book. Thank you. I, I'd be happy to. I'm very proud of it. Um, it was a labor of legacy. I'm, you know, uh, uh, certainly towards the end of of, of working full time, uh, and so I wanted to put down on paper uh, the stories and the observations that uh, have been made available to me through this 35 plus years of, of casting and being and being greatly lucky and also living up to that luck to be involved with iconic television shows back to China beach, uh, ER, the West wing, third watch, shameless Southland animal kingdom, growing pains where Leonardo DiCaprio joined the cast head of the class, uh, where we added many people of color long before that started to be mandated. Um, I, I, I met a, a, a woman who, who will be a friend of mine for the rest of my life, Trudy Roth, who is a writer. And uh, uh, I had actually done a podcast for an acting teacher in town, uh, and she had written a book with Trudy. And she, she said to me after we got off the Zoom that, uh, gee, John, your stories are kind of funny, and you you can talk and Maybe you ought to write a book about your career. And I thought, well, hmm, uh, that might be interesting. So I met with Trudy, and she gave me an assignment to send her a memory every day, more than one, if I had more than one. And so we had a Zoom and email relationship for quite a number of months. And it sort of evolved into, uh, you know, uh, uh, the stories of the shows that I've been associated with, which I just kind of listed. Um, and we'll talk about it, in more detail. Great. Yeah, because I want to get into also, some of those shows. It also became clear that um, I that through my career, I was able to find myself, who I am and what I have to offer uh, uh, and what I don't have and who I'm not. And so I uh, I was able to find the role that I was right for, hence the title, Right for the Role. Um, and that that was a great gift and that the other sort of theme of the book is, is this whole concept of collaboration and cooperation and mutuality and, 
uh, uh, respect and uh, affection and, and friendship that can develop out of being a, an effective part of a team. And uh, so, so you write for the role is kind of the story of someone uh, going from never having heard of a casting director to becoming one, to becoming a good one, to becoming part of a team that worked together for a long period of time and had remarkable success that we all could be proud of uh, and that nobody takes exclusive credit for. So let's start with ER. Um, What I remember about that show was that when you were putting together the pilot, there was resistance uh, on the part of NBC. Was it Don Ohlmeyer? It's like somebody who was very high up in NBC hated the show and the fact that it was uh, Spielberg and John and a lot of other people involved in it, they kind of had to go with it. Yeah, Michael Crichton. Yeah, I, I think there was a lot of resistance to... Uh, to, to the show from NBC and, and certainly Doc, D- Don Olmeyer was um, there during the casting and played an instrumental role, actually in some ways a very positive role. Um, he, he was the one who insisted that once we had George and, and Anthony Edwards and uh, Sherry Stringfield that we that he didn't feel we had the 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 part that ended up being played by Eric LaSalle and uh, and uh, basically said damn you with faint praise you can have the actor you have brought in today but i think you can do better and we went out and and got Eric who was somebody i had been chasing for a long time for the part but uh at the time my boss Barbara Miller uh, kind of had a rule that those all of us casting people at Warner Brothers weren't allowed to compete with each other for a particular actor, and, and Eric was already high on somebody else's list uh, for a pilot. And and something so else was, you have to contend with. Yeah, nonsense. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it turned out that, that it was a good idea. Um, and so actually Eric was cast on, I think, day three of the shoot, uh, hmm. as they kept having to adjust the schedule so that they didn't get to any stuff that he had to shoot. Um, but it, it was a fantastic process and it was so exciting. Uh, I think, you know, John Wells certainly took Crichton's script, which frequently just identified people as doctor, nurse, paramedic. And we had to try to figure out at the beginning, is the nurse on page 14 the same as the nurse on page 52? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, uh, it was really a chaos thing. And it was before uh, cell phones and emails and texts and all of that technology. And so that was both good and, and, and not so good because we were left to our own devices uh, a lot. And, and it turned out that director Rod Holcomb executive producer and and rewriter John Wells uh, and even Crichton who came to the one audition during the process when we read Noah Wiley uh, uh, and laughed his head off at Noah failing to find a vein in my arm 
while trying desperately to take blood for the first time. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just so exciting and so much fun. And, and we, we uh, you know, Anthony Edwards just embodied. I tell a story in the book where I'm sitting in Barbara Miller's office and we're watching dailies of the pilot. And she calls out to her assistant and says, call my doctor's office, cancel my appointment. I'm going to go see Mark Green instead. <laughs> and, you know, Anthony Edwards was the kind of doctor that, and as we've discovered in the pandemic, that, that our medical professional, our healthcare people are really heroes. And that's what ER was about, was about heroism. And, and you know, and it was also about primary care. Uh, you know, it, it debuted at the same time as Chicago Hope. Their pilot episode was about separating uh, conjoined twins at birth. Ours was about primary care for poor people who didn't have insurance. And, you know, rich people don't go to the ER. They go to their doctor. They only go to their ER if they really had an emergency. Yeah. And, you know, there was a, you know, a pace and an energy yeah. to that show that was you know, just a shot of adrenaline every week. There was also yeah, great chemistry with Juliana Margulies and George Clooney. Um, yep. Did that just sort of happen or was that kind of by design? Well, uh, with all due respect, I don't think there's a woman uh, on the planet who couldn't develop chemistry with George. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure there are a great many men who couldn't develop chemistry with Juliana. They're both charismatic, open, brave, wonderful, uh, vulnerable, funny actors. And, and they brought that. But, you know, in the great tradition of Hill Street Blues, when uh, Michael Warren and Charlie Hayde were both shot at the end and then everybody loved them so much, they had remarkable recoveries. Mm -hmm. You probably remember that Juliana's character uh, attempted suicide in the pilot of ER. That's right. And, I had forgotten that. I had forgotten and, and, that. Yeah. While it wasn't uh, explicitly stated that she succeeded, it was implied pretty heavily. Uh, and the, and because of the chemistry that you referenced between George and Juliana and our audience, the testing was just crazy through the roof uh, for all of it, for the pace and the energy and the urgency, and also for the potential of romance uh, uh, that those two brought to it. Did you have any idea, I'm sure you were very proud of the show and thought that the show would do well, did you have any idea the phenomena that it became and the ratings that it, there is never ever going to be another show on television that will come close to the weekly ratings that ER got during its heyday? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, once upon a time, more than 40 million people uh, watched ER on Thursday night at, at, at 10 o'clock or 9 central or whatever. And, and that was before you could access it whenever you damn right. well please. They had to actually watch it. Yeah. It, it was appointment television. And I, I think, uh, in, it, you know, and, and 40 million is more than in those days. Uh, that number of people didn't vote in non-presidential years. It was ridiculous and unprecedented. And of course, I didn't have any idea that that would happen. I thought it was going to be, you know, when we started seeing it, it, 
emerged before our eyes. Uh, everybody was right for their role. Uh, Rod Holcomb did a spectacular job developing the visual style. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, when you go back and look at the pilot years later, mm-hmm. it seems slow compared to how fast <laughs> it got. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's probably not that I have experience with this, but it, it's uh, kind of like drugs. I think you have to keep upping the dose or you don't get off. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep that adrenaline pumping. Yep. So West Wing, you cast the pilot of West Wing? I, I cast the pilot in the first two seasons uh, of West Wing. Uh, and then uh, the only time in my career I asked out. Uh, and it might seem like a crazy thing to have done because it was, again, uh, catapulting into the stratosphere of success. But it, it, it just wasn't – I had a great time doing the pilot in the first two seasons, but it it, it, it was a chaotic production uh, Aaron was never quite able to meet deadlines with scripts. And so you were doing what should have been eight days work in six hours sometimes. And it, it was enough to drive you crazy. Yeah. You know, that's a, another point. And people don't realize that when scripts are done, they have to be ready to go several days or a week before you actually go into production, you know, you need to give the casting director time to find the people. You need to give the production people time to build the sets. And yeah. if it's always at the last second, uh, it has to be really chaotic. Well, I want to ask you a, a question about West Wing and Allison Janney. A year before you guys did West Wing, I was directing a show in New York for NBC. It was a sitcom called Late Line. And we used Allison as a guest star in one episode. And at the time, she had primarily just been doing theater in New York. She was fantastic in the show. And I just wonder if... Did that put her on the NBC radar? Did you get a call from NBC saying, here's somebody that you need to look at, or you found her independently? I'm actually my second chair and dear friend Kevin Scott uh, spent hours and hours and hours watching film and tape of actors that we didn't know. And he saw her opposite heavy hitters in one scene parts in feature films and thought she could hold her own against anybody and that she was so uniquely talented and exuded so much intelligence as well as humor uh, uh, and, w- and was a willing – there was a scene where she had to uh, – she was on a treadmill mm-hmm. and she fell off the treadmill while somebody else was on the next treadmill and uh, we, we just laughed, ho- hollered ourselves to death. Uh, no, we did not get a call from NBC. I wish I could say thank you to you. Um, hey, hey I didn't you. discover her. The casting director of the show in New York uh, brought her in. But, yeah. again, one of those people where you just see, their, see her and you just go, wow, there's yeah, something there's special else, here. There's nobody else like her. Yeah. And, and that's, been, that's been established, reestablished, proven, reproven. Time and again, there's nothing she can't do. But but given you know when we talked earlier about uh, supervision uh, and and 
possible interference or whatever. And I, I'm a great believer in in diversity and and uh, ex, you know inclusivity and uh, you know I, long before it was mandated, ER is filled with people of color, both in the patients and on the medical staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't need to be told to do that. We did it on our own. Um, but the person who tested opposite Allison at the network for the West Wing is the fantastic actress CCH Pounder, uh, an African American sure. woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, great on uh, the Shield. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, great on lots on almost everything she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that if we had done the pilot in 2020 that Cece would have gotten the part and she would have been good, but she, we, we would have been missing out on what Allison gave us. Who are some of the people who, uh, read for West wing or who tested for West wing who didn't get it? Like, like well, the B side CCH pounder, uh, the, I say in the book, uh, right for the role that, uh, the best audition I've ever seen that didn't get the job was Eugene, does he say Levy or Levy? I don't Levy. even know. Yeah, Levy. Eugene Levy read opposite Richard Schiff for Toby Ziegler. And it was not a hard decision because, again, Richard is that grumpy, wonderful uh, guy who can see all sides of every issue and so he can't make up his mind about anything. Um uh, and uh, Eugene was fabulous, but Richard was writer. Yeah. What about uh, for the Martin Sheen part? Were there any other presidents considered? Yeah. You know, we had um, uh, originally. You know, I think I think if if the show had turned out the way it did turn out and, and it involved the president as much as it did, it might've been called the oval office rather than the West wing. It was originally conceived to be about the staff with the president having sort of a tangential, uh, a, 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 a role mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a wonderful musical theater actor named John Cullum read for the president. Uh, we also thought about Alan Alda, uh, we, we actually also thought very seriously about Sidney Poitier. Wow. Um, and uh, and then all of a sudden, Martin's name came up. And none of those, I mean, Cullum read, uh, somebody else may have read as well, and I've forgotten who it was at the moment. But um, uh, when Martin's name came up, he had, of course, appear, appeared as the sort of Bobby Kennedy role in the American president that Aaron had written. Mm-hmm. So Aaron knew him well. And God, I, I've been a fan of his all the way back to Badlands with Sissy Spacek, who I blame for my first and second marriages. Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, I'm only married once, my second long term relationship. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I had loved martin as james dean and so and i'd loved him for his uh anti-nuclear i think he's the only actor i've ever excused from a a a call so that because he had been arrested at a nuclear pledge Uh um, protesting (laughs) um uh, martin's a great great actor and uh it was it, it was again it fell into place so that we had 
you know, we had everything we needed. It was spectacular. It was a balanced, you know, a, a, a Brad Whitford and, and, and Rob Lowe. It was such a deep cast that, uh, you know, you could, you, if they could walk and talk, they, they could, they certainly uh, balanced each other out and got, had great chemistry. It was fantastic. Yeah, I guess that would have to be one of the questions during the audition. Can you walk and deliver lines? Yeah, and and, and you don't actually see that because it's impossible to create that in a office space. Right. The other thing that was really different about that is that Aaron reads with everybody. And so uh, my role was diminished in that respect because I, I, in those days, took great pride in reading uh, and, and, you know, uh, helping actors by being present in the moment. He's kind of a but frustrated I, actor, isn't he? Uh, um, I, I don't know if he's frustrated. I think he is an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I love Aaron. He's a crazy, wonderful guy. And uh, uh, it, it was really exciting to work with, with both him and Tommy Schlamme, uh, who I had worked with on ER. And he directed the live episode. Um, you know, I, I've just been so uh, blessed to be able to, um, collaborate with great artists, actors, directors, writers. It's uh, it, it's been so special. Okay, before you go, I got to ask you about Animal Planet. So, Animal casting Kingdom. director, Animal Kingdom. So, do they say we need a giraffe who can sing, and they call you? I mean, who no, are you I casting? Didn't do Animal Planet. I, I do Animal Kingdom, the okay. the family crime drama based on the Australian film. Oh, okay. All right, because I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, we need a mongoose who can do noir. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I don't do babies and I don't do animals. <laughs> oh, yeah, doing kids has to be rough. Oh, it's very rough and it's kind of amazing because uh, eventually, after lots of hard work and filtering, the kid that is the part uh, emerges, uh, you know, on, on Shameless, which we really haven't talked about. Some of those kids were nine years old when they came into that show. And, and uh, they went to the W.H. Macy School of Acting and uh, learned on the job and uh, evolved from just kids with the right quality and the right look to reliable, talented skilled actors yeah you get to watch them grow up yep yeah so again the book is called right for the role and it is available on september 15th john thank you so much this has really been great oh uh, it's my pleasure and a delight to meet you and i uh, your podcast name is among the greatest jokes <laughs> that, uh, that i've ever heard <laughs> i'll appreciate it Sell a lot of books. See on the bestsellers list. No, I hope so. That would be lovely. Was I right? What a great guest. John Levy. And once again, his book, which is available on Amazon, is called Right for the Role, Breakdowns, Breakups, and Breakthroughs from 35 Years of Casting Iconic TV Shows. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. You can follow me on Twitter 
at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And don't forget, you can still reach me. You can email me at HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. Come back next week for more fun. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.